What is the most annoying thing that a teammate can do in swim practice? Uh, push off the wall early when we're doing pace. Ooh, fact. We have yeah. a lot of people do that here, and it drives <laughs> me up a wall. Oh, man. Drop. Let's hear them. No, I can't. I will not. I will not. But me and Lily both, it drives us insane because then our times are off. And then these other people think they're going super fast. And we're like, no, when we push off the wall, I'm looking at your feet. Like you are pushing off two seconds early. It drives me absolutely insane. Welcome to Social Kick. I'm Brian Lundquist. We got a full crew, Dr. John, Luke, and our special guest today, Olympic bronze medalist, world champion, uh, and breaststroke extraordinaire. And we know nothing about breaststroke. So please welcome Annie Laser. Hi, thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Well, uh, we like to reference Gary Hall's quote of breaststroke being the potato sack race of swimming. And uh, <laughs> so always just trying to get to understand how you get so fast at swimming's slowest stroke. Yeah, I think it's like, tech I, I think personally, technically, it's like people will say like physically maybe flies the hardest stroke. But I would say technically breaststroke's the hardest stroke because there's not a lot of people that can like do it really well. Like you can either do it or you can't do it. So sure, it's like the potato sack race of swimming, but it's technically the hardest one. So the people that uh, don't like it and talk crap about it, they're just they just can't do it. That's why they don't like it. <laughs> that is completely valid. Uh, this comes from a place of me having tried many times and having zero success and ultimately just giving up and deciding to dolphin kick every time <laughs> breaststroke kick was assigned in practice. <laughs> Yes, I we still have people to this day that do that and they'll try and race and we're like, well, then you need to do it correctly. And they're like, no, I can't. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can't do five dolphin kicks off every pullout. Is that not no. legal yet? God, no, I, I, mine are, my dolphin kicks like in normal swimming are really all I can work with outside of breaststroke. Like my fly's okay, but uh, when I would swim, I am, I swam two and four, I am all the time in college. And so the first like hundred of the IM, I was just, I would kick out to 15 meters, like off every wall. Cause I'm like, I have no choice. Like I, I have to in backstroke. Like I just, I had no choice if I had any shot of winning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the only reason I've ever been under a minute in a hundred yard breaststroke is because the pullout was 65% of the race. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm still trying to work on that. Cause I'm good at the swimming part. Like that's why I'm better at long course, but the starts and turns and pullouts are still a work in progress. Yeah, totally. Well, so let's catch us up on what's going on uh, for you now. So you're coming off world trials uh, for the second trials in a row. You wait in a dramatic fashion until your second race to qualify for the team. Um, and and since uh, have added uh, the 50 to uh, your event schedule at Worlds. So but, you know, a couple of weeks out here from Worlds, give us kind of the, the run through of, you know, your reaction to trials and then the prep uh you know, as, as you're approaching worlds. Yeah. So, um, my prep for trials, um, now that I like hindsight, look back on it. Um, you know, I, um, came down with a really nasty illness, probably like three or four weeks out from trials. Um, when I was in San Antonio actually for the last pro swim, um, and never, it like took me kind of a while to come out of that. And I think, um, and this is totally on me. This is no one else's fault, but my own, like, um, I should have kind of adjusted my, my taper a little bit differently, I think based on that, because we kind of tried to grind through it for a little bit and it just like, wasn't going away. Like I was so beat down. I was so tired. I was 
hacking through the night, like all night, not sleeping well. And so um, we kind of had to scale it back for a little while, kind of like right before I normally start taper. And then I kind of was like, okay, like I'm fine now. Like let's start taper and get this done with. But that was my choice. Um, and I shouldn't have done that. I think I should have maybe um, held off on my taper a little bit longer. And then when I got to um, the 200 at trials, um, I just didn't really have um, that normal like mm-hmm. pop that I normally have to my stroke, that easygoing stroke, the first hundred that I have. And then because I kind of felt like I had to work a little bit harder the first part of the race, like didn't really feel like I had that closing speed that I, that I normally have that normally helps me win races, you mm-hmm. know? So, um, looking back on it, that's something I would definitely change. And it's definitely taught me to, um, you know, if the last two years hasn't taught me this to kind of adjust to the elements and to ad- adjust to what, um, you know, life had kind of thrown at me at that point. Um, so looking back on it now, I would change that, but, um, it's done. It happened. Um, and, uh, you know, again, like 221, what I go 221, eight, nine, like it's not a bad swim. It's just, I got third and that doesn't make the team. So, um, I was really frustrated. I was really angry, um, because there's, I had no one to be angry with, but myself, you know, um, And so I'm really, I'm really glad that I made the decision really early on not to swim the 50 the next day. Um, because I knew like I had a shot to make the team in the hundred, like whether or not anyone else thought I did. Um, I went one Oh five, two last summer, like that's good, (laughs) you know? So I feel like I, I, I honestly felt like I had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder in that race. Cause I'm like, everyone has forgotten about me in this race. Like I have the current world record holder and 2016 Olympic champion in one lane. And I have the, you know, reigning Olympic champion who just dropped three seconds last year in the next lane. Like everyone has forgotten about me in this race. And so I kind of went into that race, even before the 200 being like, I'm going to make this team. Like, I have something to prove here. I had three great swims last summer in the hundred. It just like the 200 wasn't fast enough to make the team. Um, so I kind of like earlier on last, you know, this year before trials was like, you know, not that I didn't think I was going to make the team, the 200, but I was like, I'm, that's my goal. I'm going to make it in the hundred. Um, and so I still had that mindset going into the hundred, even after the 200, um, really glad I gave myself that day in the, in between and did not swim the 50 breast, um, to kind of regroup after that letdown of the 200, um, to kind of shift towards the hundred. Again, it was the same thing that happened last summer, basically. Um, so I'm really glad I decided to do that. And, um, going into the hundred, um, you know, my swim in the morning did not feel good. It felt sloppy. It felt, um, you know, I tried to focus on what I was going to do, taking it out at night, um, in the morning. And it still just like, didn't feel like, like I had that pop, like the way that I normally feel when I'm like, oh man, my legs are behind me. My pull feels easy. Like, um, like I'm ready to, I'm ready to have those fast twitch muscles and swim fast. I didn't feel like I had that. Um, and so going into finals, I was like, I am going to have to, like go to the well and gut this one out. If I'm going to get first or second, like that's just how it's going to be. Um, and I had, you know, Lily had already qualified. There was two other girls in the race that I think were swimming pretty well that week. And so I was like, all right, like not that there's any pressure on me. Cause 
I don't feel like the pressure is on me for this race, but like, I want to get first or second in this race. Like I can do it, but I'm going to have to gut out this swim in order to like make it happen. So I was like, I'm just going to have to get super uncomfortable and take it out as fast as I can and just hold on, which is like not what I normally do. Um, so I did that. And now looking back on it, I'm glad I did that because then I took it out under the FINA A cut and the 50 breasts. And now I can swim the 50 breasts. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, like coming home, I was about like 15 meters out and I really started to hurt. Um, really my arms kind of started to slip a little bit. Um, and I could kind of see Lily was like right next to me. I was like, okay, like I'm in, like, I don't know what those two girls are doing on the other side of her, but like, I am in first or second right now. Like I know I am. And so like, I kind of started to hurt, started to hurt. And I was like, nope, like we're not doing this. Like we're not dying right now. (laughs) This is not what's happening. So I kind of like was like, it's so crazy in swimming. I'm sure you guys know from being, you know, high level swimmers, like you have to make like split second decisions like that. Like when you're going to finish on the wall, if you're going to take another stroke, if you're going to increase your tempo or decrease your tempo in order to hit the wall perfectly, like you just make it like that. And I realized probably like, you know, 10 meters out that I was going to be in between two strokes going into the wall. And I was like, oh crap. Okay. So I decided to take like two longer strokes outside of the flags and then boom, 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 like hit my rate going into the wall. Um, And I'm glad I did that because then I got second by like five one hundredths. And I, if I hadn't done that, I would have gotten fourth. Um, So looking back on that now, I'm like, holy crap. Like, it's just crazy to um, see that split second decision-making and see like just as an academic swimmer, I guess, like how far I've come. Cause I don't think like three or four years ago, I would have been able to make that decision. I would have just like had a sloppy finish and not realized it was going to be sloppy until like the last stroke, you know? So, um, that actually ended up, I think being the deciding factor on like me making the team, you know? So, um, so looking back on the race, like I'm, I, it's crazy, you know, kind of, these split second decisions you have to make. It's almost like race car driving. Like um, you make one bad decision and like you're off the team, you know? So, um, so yeah, that was kind of my, my, my week in Greensboro. Um, It was really a great feeling to be on the team, maybe not in my best event, but um, I still think I have so much room for growth in the hundreds. So that's really exciting to me. And then um, the last few weeks since then my, my Saturday practices normally are more of a long course, 200 pace practice, which is like my jam. Like that is where I thrive. And obviously I'm not swimming the 200 at worlds anymore. So we've turned it into a lactate practice. Cause like, honestly, I haven't really like, my goal is always like the 200 and then we work down to the hundred kind of thing. And so now we're like, okay, like we can work on the hundred now. And so the last like six weeks since then, I've been really like honing in on some lactate practices, some speed stuff. Um, and then a couple weeks ago I went faster than I did at trials, like just, and I really credit it to doing like the speed work that we were doing. So, so yeah, so long story short, I leave on Monday and I'm really excited to see what I can do after having a great hundred just a couple weeks ago, you know, with no rest and no shave and yeah, so I'm excited. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all that. That's a, a great story. And like I said, it was great to see you um, have a great hundred race there after the 200. I'd love to talk more about, like you said, just like your consciousness during the race, making that split second decision on your stroke count and things like that. Mm-hmm. 
do you feel like you are that conscious that you're making that decision in the race or it's more just, all right, you have a few more years now and a few more reps at that event that you can just subconsciously make that move and make the right decision? Yeah, it was definitely more subconsciously and with the experience that I've grown to have. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I've had races where I've had great finishes and I've gotten that spot or gotten that first by a couple one hundredths, And I've been on the other side of that as have every single swimmer, you know, at my level, you know? So, um, you know, I didn't really realize that I had to make that decision and how vital it was until I went and watched race video afterwards. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that was a close race. And if I hadn't made that decision, I don't think I would be on the team right now. So, um, it's, it's one of those things like, you guys probably know, um, you don't really like remember your best races very much of it. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't remember any part of that race except Mm -hmm. for like making that decision, like Mm -hmm. 10 meters out. Like that's the only part of the race I remember is that I was really hurting like 15 meters out. Now, like, this is not going to be my best swim, but I don't care. Like second place is second place. Like let's get our hand on the wall. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. um, so those are really the only two things that I remember. And then I like, you know, sat down with Ray, I think, and, and watch video or, or someone. And I was like, wow, like I really just made that decision like that. And that was the difference um, in the race. And it kind of brought me back to thinking like, man, like I, I did that last summer. Like I did that here. Like it's really starting to make me a more, you know, mentally mature athlete to be able to not freak out in those moments and just be like, all right, this is what your body's going to do. And just go in autopilot and do it um, within a few fractions of a second to be able to make that decision and not really even like think to make that decision, just know that that's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. I'm curious too about um, your, what you mentioned about, um, you know, confidence coming into the hundred, like you knew uh, after the 200 first, like in your preparation, you kind of had a feeling that, okay, maybe the prep for the 200 wasn't exactly where we wanted it to be because of illness and so forth. And, um and so like you know again two two trials meets in a row to have well you had you had a great swim last summer in the 100 and then came in and made the 200 but i guess from a results standpoint here you are like in between events at you know a several day meet having to mentally prepare and get ready for and and you speaking to the the confidence that you've had uh during the process like is there anything that have you always been a really confident person with this self-belief or, you know, are there, are there things that you've worked to develop to be in a great mindset so that if something doesn't go your way, that that's okay because, you know, you know that you're ready to rock and there's more in the tank to deliver for what's to come next. Yeah. Um, I definitely would say that I've always been a very decisive person. I've always been very like sure of myself. Um, you know, some occasionally it's not the right decision. And I learned that afterwards, but, um, I, once I make the decision to do something, like I'm just going to do it, you know? Um, and I would say after the 200 and after the hundred last year at trials, um, I allowed myself to have that space that night to be really pissed and to be really angry. Like, I think that's so important. Um, I think, Um, Ray is a great coach for me. Um, he and I work so well together and we have an amazing relationship. Um, and he is so emotionally resilient in that, like, he doesn't remember, like, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. Like 
he doesn't remember bad things like that much. Like he, he gets over bad things really quickly, but he also gets over good things really quickly. <laughs> so like, he's always just like, okay, what's next? Okay. What's next kind of thing. And so I went up to him after the race and you could like after the 200 and you could see he was like a little emotional and like a little upset that I had made the team. And I was just like, that's what I had in me today. Like, I don't, I don't really know what else to say. I don't know what else to do. Like I'm going to warm down and I'm just, I just, I, I'm just, I'm really pissed right now. And so, um, I so left. I, sorry to interrupt. I remember standing right next to him actually, when you guys were swimming and I remember seeing the result. And if I remember correctly, he just goes, <laughs> well, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It was not great. So, and it's tough for him too, because he just had a swimmer who did make it, you right. know? So it's like, it's really tough when there's two of us, you know, like, um, Lily and I work really, really well together, but like, same thing happened last year at trials. Like, what am I not going to be happy for her that she just made her second Olympic team. And she's been so dominant for these stretch of five years in the hundred breasts. Like, no, but like, you could tell that she was like, Oh God, like Annie got third. Like, you gotta be kidding me. You know what I mean? Like, that's tough to like find that balance as a coach, you know, like he's still gotta be happy for her. Like, it's still not like a, something they should take for granted just cause she's done it before, you know? So, um, so that's tough. Um, but when I was warming down, um, I got out of the pool for a second and he comes up to me and he's like, all right, it's time to shift towards a hundred. And this was only like 20 minutes after the race. And I turned to him and I said, Bray, I love you. Like he, he, he came over to me first and said, I love you. It's going to be okay. Um, we need to shift towards the 200. And I said, Ray, I need tonight. I need tonight to be angry. Good. Good. And then tomorrow we will move on. Or if you yeah. want to talk about it more tomorrow, we can, but Good. I need to be angry tonight. Um, I, I just need to. And he was like, okay, that's fine. Fair enough. And just kind of backed off and was like, if you need anything, let me know. Um, and then we talked the next day and, um, you know, he and I just have such a close relationship now that, you know, we can talk about anything. And, um, you know, once he's kind of like got his emotions, um, pared down a little bit, then we can really have those great conversations. Um, but in those moments, it's like really hard and both of our emotions are heightened. And so, um, so I think that was really important for me last year and this year. And that's definitely something I took into this year from last year. Um, because last year, like I had been through so much leading up to trials. Like I just, after, you know, as the day went on the day after the hundred, I got a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better spending time with my family, spending time with my best friend. Um, and I just like the, that about 24 hours after the race, I was like, I have gone through too much to let this one race deter and my anger from this one race deter from me making this team. Like I still have my best event to go. And you know, these emotions, they can really physically take a toll on your body. And I am not going to let these 24 hours, these last 24 hours of me being angry, going to get in the way of me achieving my dreams. Um, so I, I kind of on a pared down scale kind of took that into, into a few weeks ago. Um, which, you know, obviously in 2021, I still had the 200, which I saw as my better event. But um, going into a few weeks ago, the 100 was not my better event. So um, so I definitely had to adjust to that. But um, I still had been kind of like saying, like, I am going to make the team in the 100. Like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I had been putting in the work in to make the team. Um, 
So I, I think I was still like in a good mindset to do it. It's not like I was like shaken. Like I felt like I had my back up against the wall and I had to do this unbelievable thing. Like I really thought I just had to like be me and I could get the job done. Um, and it was going to be tough, but um, I had envisioned myself already making the team in the hundred for a long time before trials um, that it didn't shake me as much when it came to physically competing in the hundred that necessarily it could have. Hey, Annie, at, at Worlds, Ray's not going, um, they are a number of amazing coaches. Uh, I'm interested to see what, what do you need from a coach at Worlds and who would that be, you think? Because you've worked with a number of them, I'm sure, before. Who would be on staff that you are looking forward to working with and they can give you something different or similar to what you and Ray have? Yeah, so um, it is really great to have your coach there, <laughs> um, I, will, I will say. Um, so it's really tough that Ray's not going. Um, but what is really great is I have Lily going and I know like mm -hmm. when I'm the team in the hundred, she's like, the first thing she said was, I'm so glad I'm not going by myself. Oh. I'm so glad I don't have to train by myself <clears throat> because in reality, like we still know what we need to do and what we require as athletes mm -hmm. in order to perform well at those levels. And we need to continue doing what we need to do that got us there, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so so we'll still do the practices that Ray and Corey Chitwood write for us. We will still be doing those. Um, we'll have each other to do them, which is great. Um, but as far as a coach, um, we will likely have Ron Aitken um, be kind of our focus coach. Um, we do a bit more volume now. I won't be jumping in with Ron and doing like hundreds like his girls do. That is just not up my alley. But... <laughs> but um, but he, we swam with his girls a few times over last summer. Mm -hmm. Um, he just, he coached Cody in high school. Um, yeah. so he and Ray have a great relationship. Um, you know, and I obviously know him well now from being on the team with him last summer mm -hmm. and, um, obviously it meets since then. So, um, so I think he's kind of taken the reins on being our, you know, like primary coach for this, for this trip, but all to say, like, I know if I need anything, I can go to him and he and Ray are super close. They talk all the time, even sans him being mine and Lily's coach for worlds. Um, so I, I know if I need anything, I, I can go to him, but, um, as far as everything goes, like Ray has already like written out like every practice morning and afternoon, like what we are going to do the week of Croatia, the week before Budapest. So, he has it all like down to a T. So we just have to like pick up the paper and just do it the day that we're supposed to do it. And like, it's done. So he's very organized in that way. Yeah. I mean, I guess that for the sprint workouts, you're on your own and Ron won't be running those. <laughs> no, Ron will not be running those. No, but, um, but obviously I worked with Greg last year, Greg Nian. Um, he's great. He's just such a, um, he just has such a nice perspective. I think um, he's very grounded. Um, doesn't get too high. Doesn't get too low, which I think is a great quality to have in a coach, especially yeah. being the head coach last year at the most intense meet in the world. Um, you know, so he'll be on staff again. Um, so I have, I have a few coaches that um, I know I already know um, that that'll be on staff. So, and in those trips, you get to know people so quickly. Like you see them every day for like eight hours a day. Like it's, yeah. You get to know people so fast. Hey, since there's, um, <clears throat> a, you've approached so many meets with the 200 in mind, um, obviously both events and going in with, with confidence in both, but um, this being one of the few meets where you have an opportunity to, to come in with the adjusted training, how, how have you guys thought differently about taper? And um, are you preparing yourself for like 
the way that your body might feel a little bit different coming into a meet off of more lactate training versus uh, you know, maybe the pace work that you would typically come in with 200 work? Yeah. So that's really just one practice a week that we're, that we're shifting. All my other eight practices during the week are the same. Um, and I still do a lactate practice on Wednesdays, even during my normal schedule. So now I'm just doing two a week versus one. Um, we haven't really adjusted, um, my taper too much based off of that. Um, I mean, even when we do lactate, we do a lot, like, especially like in the beginning when we're just, you know, when we have nothing to really like hone in on and focus on now, the last couple of weeks, we've kind of, we used to do like an 800 worth of lactate and now we'll go down to 700, 600. I think this week was, I think we'd like 500 this week or last week, something like that. So, um, we kind of hone in and specify a little bit more, but, um, but I don't think we're changing too much, especially since now, um, you know, yeah, I have shorter races, but I'm swimming for like seven of the eight days of meat. So I still have the medley relay, like on the very last day. So like, yeah, I had the hundred breasts on day two, two, but I also have the final of the 50 breast and the medley relay on the same day and day eight. So, um, we're kind of still focusing on that, like longevity of being able to maintain for a really long time. And then you mentioned the 50, obviously, um, obviously different than the 200 and a little different event for you. How about for the 50, any, you know, things that you're going to be focusing on or areas you feel like you can improve even more on? Yeah. So, um, we really worked on my start a lot. Um, that, that was something we worked on even before I qualified in the hundred. Um, my start is just not good. Um, so we're really trying to work on that. Um, and, um, I'm just like, need to learn how to swim it. You know, like I don't train for the 50 breast. Um, yeah. it's not an Olympic event. I don't see, um, I, I honestly don't see much value in me training for the 50 breast. My, my training for the hundred breast, um, should get the job done. Need I go down for the 50? Yeah. Um, obviously over the last few weeks, we've, I I'm more of like a stroke count person instead of like a tempo person. And we've put a little bit more focus into focusing on a tempo. Um, for the 50 breast. And so um, Lily gave me some really great advice for the 50. She said, um, what did she say? She said the 50 breast is like walk is like running across a balance beam as fast as you can. Like you have to, you have to have, and it makes so much sense. Like when you're swimming fast breaststroke at like the highest speed you can, because yeah. you still need to be able to find that balance between patience and power, but like you need to go fast. So um, so that was, I was like, Oh my God, I never thought about it that way. Like, that's so true. So, um, so yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try and like, think about that now. And she was like, just focus on that. Like it's about running across the balance beam as fast as you can. And just like finish, still like finish your stroke, like wait yeah. your next stroke until you finish your last stroke. Like, mm -hmm. especially for you, like you have a longer stroke, like that's going to be important for you. Yeah. I was like, okay. Like, sounds good. If I, you know, I, I have no expectations for the 50. It's just something that's going to be fun for me. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to just like do something different this summer, especially with, you know, how long the last two years have been and how much stress we've been under. It might, it might be kind of nice to like do something new this summer, be on some relays, like never done that yeah. before. So that'll be fun. So since you brought up, who could make it further across a balance beam, you or Lily? I think me because I'm more like land athletic than Lily is. Um, I played soccer till I was like 15 and Lily did a lot of sports too. She ran track or her dad's like a cross country and track coach. Um, so she did track and swimming. Um, maybe, maybe one other, she did. Oh, actually she did gymnastics until 
Well, wild card. So maybe she would, but I think like when we do like dryland stuff, like during the pandemic, we would do like a bunch of like CrossFit workouts and like all that kind of stuff. And I was a lot better than her at those things. So <laughs> she hates them, and she like wouldn't come to our like Saturday workouts because. She's like, I don't like them. I'm like, you don't not like them. You're just not good at them. And she's like, yeah, I hate them. <laughs> Boom, roasted. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. But no, she actually, she did do gymnastics. I, I forgot about that. So maybe her, but I'm not sure. Well, I wanted to ask you about the your background and different sports, um, you know, with soccer and water polo and kind of specializing and swimming late. Um how does that manifest now? I mean, as a professional swimmer, there's, and, you know, not being in school anymore, there's just, it can be kind of unifocus um, mm -hmm. and all encompassing. So mm -hmm. are, do you feel like you, you kind of draw upon a background where you had a lot of other things going on or, um, and, and how does that manifest in your life now? Or are you just, you know, um, <clears throat> solely focused on swimming? Yeah. Um, I would definitely say, um, with the training that I do here, like it definitely is a lot of my life is swimming, which can get difficult, especially in the winter months here, um, when there's not a whole lot to do, like outside of, um, outside of swimming, like I'm a 27 year old in a college town. Um, yeah. there's only so much to do, you know? So, um, but I'm really thankful. My, my mom, my mom's only like five hours away. Um, so I'm, I'm close to family, which I enjoy. Um, but I would say, um, it's definitely helped me as an athlete to like not focus on just swimming until I was like 15. Now, of course, like I still was really highly committed to it for sure. Um, but I didn't drop soccer and water polo until I made my first junior national team trip. And it was like in the middle of soccer season. And my coaches were like, my swim coaches were like, that's enough of soccer. Like you, you're going to tear an ACL, like you're done. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, fair enough. But like soccer really was like my first love. Um, you know, even when I had to quit and focus on swimming, like it was, it was, I guess it's easier to know, like if you're better at swimming versus better at soccer, because soccer is obviously such a team sport right. um, and swimming, like, you know, if you're good, like a time is a time is a time. If you're beating everyone else, like you're good, you know? So, um, so that was, that was kind of like a difficult thing for me to have to, to have to give up because I genuinely like still to this day, I was like, yeah, soccer was way better than swimming. Like it was, it was so much more fun. It was more social. Like I just loved the aggression of soccer. Like I, I, I was a very physical player. Um, so I just, that was my love. And now my, my boyfriend's Brazilian. Um, so we watch soccer all the time together. It's like all he cares about. So, um, we love that. And, um, one of the people that I work with, um, Susie Yeagley, she's like a kind of a personal trainer of mine. Um, she kind of helps me to like down regulate and stuff like that to focus on other things like other than just swimming. But her husband is the head coach of our men's soccer team here, which has won like eight national championships. We're like one of the best teams in the country here. So we go to his games all the time. Um, so we love doing that because um, it's just we like having the competitive fire. We like watching something else other than um, other than like ourselves doing our thing, I guess. Um, soccer is just way more fun. Um, and we this year have picked up going to the baseball games. Um, I used terrible at baseball this year, but 
Um, we like going for the hot dogs and the beers, so we're there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we love that. So we've done that like over the weekends. Um, so yeah, we're just like kind of a sporty couple. My family was very sports oriented. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think that's carried into my life now. Um, but I'm really thankful that I didn't focus on swimming so early on because obviously like it can be a very unforgiving sport. Like you're staring at a black line for two hours, twice a day, like kind of just you and your thoughts for the most part, like that can be, that can be challenging to only focus on for a long time. So, um, I've tried to expand outside of that, but yeah. Yeah. I I went into water polo later in my swimming career because of that, because Mm -hmm. I just needed to fall in love with being sports. I was just tired of that stuff, but I, I still love swimming because of my competitive nature. I, the water polo, I played nationals for my team. But I wanted to make the Olympic Games. And I knew I didn't want to have to rely on my teammates to get me to where I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was a forward. I was fast. But mm-hmm. I, I, I could score a goal if nobody passed me the ball. Or, yeah. you know what I mean? Or save for soccer. Yes, exactly. So I, I, it burned me inside not to be in control. And swimmers tend to like to have that control. Mm-hmm. but at the same time yeah. yeah mentally dude it was so much fun, was so much fun. that's how I was in soccer like we had a couple seasons where, where my team was not good and I played center mid so yeah. I kind of was in as control Everything. of the game as I possibly could be um I it was definitely my job to shift the dynamic of the game um from one side of the field to the other from yeah. you know forwards to defense like whatever it was I was running all the time yeah. and I was involved in the game all the time at the same time too I wasn't scoring the goals that much. It was my job to like give a nice assist. And I did not like that. Like I was in control for so much of the game, but it wasn't my job to like get the job done. Yeah. And then I hated that. So <laughs> that's one thing about swimming that I liked way more than soccer is like, all right, I can beat everyone if I want to, because it's just me here. Like in soccer, you got to rely on 10 other people. Dang. Can you imagine if swimming trials were like tryouts uh, for other sports, like where there's a camp involved and there's a selection period? I, I mean, I feel, like, I feel like I the mean, most common question I ever got was right. like people who didn't know swimming that well would go, are you going to try out for the try Olympics? Out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would not make the team. I, um, in breaststroke, I'm a very good trainer and I can like throw down a good IM set here and there. I'm a little more like inconsistent on that, I would say, but, um, it just, my IM sets come at the end of the week on Friday afternoon. So it just depends on how tired I am, honestly. Um, but everything else we do, like the other six practices of the week, I am in the back of the lane. Like I am so slow. I'm a slow freestyler. I'm a slow puller. Like I just am like, crawling in the back like I there's some days where like Corey is mainly like my freestyle aerobic coach kind of guy and I just look at him and I'm like I'm putting fins on for this set and he goes that's fine you do what you need to do (laughs) like he just doesn't even like yeah so um that's a challenge for me I would probably not make the team if that was a requirement (laughs) what would be the combine drill the combine test like NFL combine for swimming what would be like you know, grab the cup for reaction. Who's, oh my God, that guy has. Like, what is yeah, that? our sprinters do that all the time. But I feel like that's something I'm good at. Like that's kind of more of a land thing. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that's something I could definitely do. But, yeah. yeah, I'm not sure. Like there's obviously so many different elements to, you know, swimming. Like I can grind and grind and grind. But if we do a 25 free off the blocks, I'm going to get smoked, you know? So it's, 
like I can grant, I can do 7,000 yard practices, like not well, but I can do them. Um, or like an IM practice, like if I'm having a good day, like I can crush a good IM practice. And in college, especially I was, um, I did a lot. I am practices, um, with my coach in college, but, um, and like for what I do specifically, like I'm definitely one of the better people in practice for brushstroke practices as I probably should be, but, um, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like it's, it is so interesting. Cause I've obviously done tryouts for other sports. I've done like yeah. soccer tryouts and you just like, you just have to like make smart decisions. Like when the time comes to you and just show that you're, you know, you're a mentally smart player, not just like physically smart. Cause like, once you get your tryouts, like everyone can run, everyone can shoot the ball into the goal. It's a matter of like, you know, does she make, especially for my position, yeah, like if you make good team decisions and shifting the ball to each side of the field, does she make, can she anticipate a play coming, you know, stuff like that. So that's kind of stuff that we don't really like in swimming, I don't think. <laughs> I, I know it. Dive 25, the bulkhead moves randomly. And you <laughs> make the right decision. Oh, my gosh. Now, I'd be good at that now. Like, I feel like I'm good at that now. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And then we'll have swimming scrimmages. We'll, we'll have to figure that out. And the best thing is, it doesn't matter because these tests yeah. don't even predict who's going to be no. good most of the no. time anyway. Like, we know it's a combine. Not at all. That's <laughs> all. This is fun. Add some fun to it. Come on. I'm just imagining it like it's a, you know, a, a dance um, uh, tryout or something where you walk across a stage and it's like, ladies and gentlemen, contestant number 236. This is oh Annie. God, no. <laughs> no, I could not do that. I was not like a recital kind of gal. Like I, I did dance when I was really little. My mom was a ballerina. I did dance when I was really little and it just wasn't, it was not physical enough for me. Right. You know, like I had two, I had two brothers, like we rough housed at home all the time. Like it just was not, it was not the sport for me. <laughs> you did get drafted for professional league and they drafted you based off your times, but yeah. not on, but did they ever have a conversation with you or Ray or somebody saying, well, can she can perform week in, week in out season. for six weeks? Yeah. You know, that's yeah, the next so, thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I first got on LA current, my first season in yeah. ISL through, um, so the two coaches were Marsh and Brett Hawk. Yeah who I swam for both of them. So they both already knew me and they're like, yeah, she can swim in season. Like she'll be good. Um, so I kind of already had their trust because they were already my coaches. Um, but then like um, when I joined London, I don't really think that was a conversation because they'd mm -hmm. already seen me swim in ISL. Yeah. And that was really like their only weakness. I think on their team was like their women's brushstrokes weren't that great yeah. um, in season one. So they had already seen me like, beat their breaststrokers. So they're like, all right, we're going to get this girl on our team, um, which I loved. I, I loved it. Um, I really, my main reason for joining London was because like, I've never really had like a head female coach in my life. Yeah. And I really just like wanted to work yeah. with Mel. Like yeah. she seemed so cool. Um, and just like, if she works with someone as like, you know, for lack of better words, like as masculine and as like dominant as Adam. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she gains that respect from swimmers like him. I'm like, damn, like that is a badass woman. Like <laughs> I want to meet her. Like those are women that like I gravitate towards to towards, because like I said before, like I'm a very like decisive person. I know what I want. Like, um, so I, I gravitate towards those people who will like challenge me and who, um, you know, just, have such a presence um, on the pool deck. I, I just, I gravitate towards those people. So I was really um, 
looking forward to working with her kind of when I, when I decided to swim for them. 16% of NCAA division one female teams have a woman head coach, 16%. That's like, you know, 20 or 15 of them. It's not many. There's one on the world's team. I know. Anyway, it's, it's tough. And, and honestly, like the, the world's team, like if you look at the swimmers on the team, like the people that they're coached by, like, yeah, there were only so many women to choose from, you know? Um, so so and and the woman that that is on our staff, she only coaches one of the swimmers on the team. Yeah. So um, so it's really tough. And um, you know, it's easy to say like um, obviously the like the head coaches that are on, on, in those programs deserve the right to be on those trips if they so choose. Um, but it's not just them that's coaching those swimmers. You know, um, like the guy who coaches Hunter Armstrong, he's yeah. not on our staff. No. Um, you know, so. Uh, which is fine. Like the head coach definitely deserves that spot. He made, he hired those coaches and he recruited those swimmers. Like, absolutely. They deserve that spot. This right. is like the highest honor you can have in coaching is being on team USA um, in, in, in my opinion. But um, I mean, yeah, like there's, there's coaches like, um, like Steph Junker um, at Louisville who, mm-hmm. you know, she had a heavy hand in coaching those kids that are on the national team for Louisville, you know? So um, I think if you're within the swimming community, you definitely know, um, like, you know, not that the head coaches aren't doing the work they are, but there's only one of them and there's 70 swimmers, you know, you have to spread the wealth a little bit and give other coaches, you know, responsibilities as they, as they definitely do. Um, so I, am really excited to see, um, you know, some more growth in female coaching, hopefully over the next few years, you know, the higher of Lee Maurer at USC. Like, I'm so glad they decided to hire her. Like she is so qualified for that job. I, I don't know her, but she recruited me at Stanford. Um, I, I was recruited by her before Greg took over. Um, and, uh, you know, like with, um, gosh, who else was I trying to think of just now? Uh, Margo. Um, yep. I signed with Margo. Yep. Um, so, and just to see her just, you know, she, she is such, she's an amazing coach. Um, if, if people like give her that opportunity, you know what I mean? I know it's, it's, you know, it's a little bit tough to be right now to be a head coach of a combined program. And so, um, you know, I was talking to her at trials and, um, she's just so level. Um, she's, she's, like I said about Greg, like she doesn't get too high. She doesn't get too low. Um, she's very decisive, um, not in a commanding way, but in a way that makes swimmers want to, um, have a good relationship with her. Um, her ego is so low. Um, she lets her other coaches do their jobs. Um, and so I, I am so thrilled to see her success this year, um, with their women's team. That was, that was so exciting Mm -hmm. to see. And I think their men were, were 10th or 11th as well too, which is great. Um, given some of the turmoil that they had on their team over the last couple of years. So, um, Mm -hmm. so I'm really excited to see that, but still only 16%, like that's not good enough, you know? It's just not good enough. Hey, on the episode, we uh we were talking to Maya Dorado, and she said mm-hmm. that there was nowhere, no one in her um you know like teammate network who aspired to be a swim coach. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what about you? Is there anybody in your circle that you know wants to be a coach? Yeah, so um so Margot is definitely one of those people for sure. Um, one of my best friends from college. Um, she's now an assistant coach at Florida right now. Um, so she slid in, she, she just finished her first year there and she's starting her next year in the fall. 
Um, but she's my age. She's 27. Um, and she just finished her first year assisting um, under Nesty. Mm -hmm. um, and she loves it. Like she's just such a strong person for that role, um, which I'm really excited to see that. Um, but the, the sad thing is, is like with these combined programs, um, I feel like people see that they, you know, they have to have five coaches, but one of them has to be a woman, like has to be a woman. Like that's the rule. So they feel like, okay, we have our one woman four males. Like that's how it is on every staff. And, you know, I, I talked to, I talked to Margot about that at trials and she said, Annie, I tried so hard to hire another woman. Cause she's like, I don't want to just be me and four guys. Like, I don't want that. <laughs> But um, she had three coaches that were already there that were extremely qualified that she wanted to keep on staff. Um, Ozzy's done an amazing job with yeah. their mid-distance group and with Ryan. Reed's doing an incredible job with their distance group. Um, so she just said, like, I had these three candidates left and um, the one that was the most qualified wasn't this woman. It was, it was one of the two other guys. And so I, I hired another guy who was just who was the most qualified for the job, like sans, sans gender. So, um, so she really wanted to, to give that opportunity. And I know moving forward, like if one of her coaches moves on, she still is interested in giving someone that opportunity. But, um, but yeah, she said it's really hard because like women just decide they don't want to go into this profession as much anymore because like it's so male dominated. And because there's so many fewer spots for women on these staffs, because people feel like they have to just have one woman and then four men. So it's like, okay, only 20% of the coaches are going to be women like that. That's mm -hmm. not fair. There's more than it's not 80, 20 of men and women on the earth. you know. <laughs> so, um, so I don't know. It just, uh, I was talking, that was just an interesting conversation I had with her about that. No, that's great. Uh, how about you yourself? You dabbled in, in coaching a bit. Um, uh, do you have ambitions when you won every medal there is and set all the records there is and retired age 45? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll not be swimming the tuner breast until I'm 45. No, um, no, no, you go down to Santos level. You do, you know, Santos. Yeah. Good. Well, I got to work on my 50 speed first. So I guess this is kind it's of coming. my my, This is my transition year towards yes. that. Let's put it that exactly. way. Um, yeah. So um, I, it's definitely a possibility. Like I haven't closed that door. Um, I definitely think it's something um, that would definitely tailor towards my strengths. Um, yeah. But um, I coached club a little bit like while I was coming back into swimming because I needed to make money somehow. Yeah. And um, I really loved it. But I had this like awkward age group of like eight to 12 year olds no, of, like, coach that. and girls. Yeah. And I loved it. It was hilarious. Uh -huh. But there were times where I'm like, how do I get to eight-year-old boys yeah. and 12-year-old to 13-year-old girls no. at the same time? Like impossible. A different species. Do you have any species. idea what different planets these people yeah, are? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> insane. So, um, so that was like my biggest challenge as far as coaching goes. Um, so I definitely think um, you know, that that would be something to consider. But um, but I did love it and like I I I love the sport. I would like to stay involved in it in some capacity. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not a decision I've I've made quite yet. I'll still be swimming for at least another two years. So yeah. we'll see. But it's really exciting yeah. to see people like like yeah. Kelsey Dahlia just take the job at Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, you know, she's extremely qualified for that. Like 
um, you know, it disappoints me to see um, people say things like, oh, she's not qualified enough. What about this? What about this? Like, what do you mean she's not qualified enough? She's an Olympic gold medalist. She's more qualified than you. Like, she, she knows so much about swimming. Like, sure, she maybe is still learning the recruiting process, but every person who steps into college coaching has to learn the recruiting process. And, like, the thing that disappoints me with those comments is that um, I – I don't like to turn it around the other way like this that much, but I don't think people would be making those comments if a man were given that opportunity with those counter qualities. Like I just, it's just, it, it wouldn't, those comments would not be made. So that's what disappoints me. And yeah. swimming needs diversity, not just in, in coaching, but even more so in the admin side, USA swimming in FINA. I mean, I'm glad that people like Chrissy Coventry are on the IOC board and stuff. I mean, we mm -hmm. need more representation from women at the, the business of swimming. The, the running of it, 100%. 100%. Yeah, Christy, Christy's a great, you know, representation yeah. for that. Um, I had the, I had the, the opportunity to swim with her for a couple months towards the end of her career, and man, like what an inspiration she is. Like she just, you know, obviously, like when I met her, I was just 21, like barely graduating college, and she was kind of on her way out in the sport. But man, does she have her head screwed on straight? And she's just so knowledgeable and so focused and so. Um, you know, just a, just like I said about Mel, just a commanding presence, okay. um, but in kind of a, a soft way, like in an approachable way. Um, so that's something that I, I really learned from her a little bit was, um, you know, example by doing kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and also like, she's one of those people where like, she doesn't, um, speak up on everything, but when she does, you better listen kind listen. of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had the same read. Kirsty was a senior at Auburn when I was a freshman. So mm -hmm. everything, everything that you mentioned uh, holds true with my experience as well. Yeah. Uh, Annie, we got some rapid fire questions uh, for you before we let you go. Let's do it. What's the hardest race in swimming? Uh, the 4IM. I would say um, I did a lot of 4IMs in college. Um, that was kind of my third race um, in college. Yeah. It got worse and worse every time. The pain was worse and worse every time I swam it. I can solidly say my last 4 a.m. at SECs was my hardest 4 a.m. <laughs> Not the fifth day free. No. <laughs> Olympic gold or world record? Olympic gold, I would say. Do you what? I do. Yeah, I have before. Like, I don't do it during practice every day, but yeah. USA Swimming, uh, your your bio on their website only lists the 200 among your events. Do you want us to reach out to them and have that updated? I hope so. Yeah, maybe this summer they'll they'll change it. But when I um, when I get drug tested, they like list me as a sprinter under my. Ooh, welcome. <laughs> officially in the sprint group now. I know so. they're like 100, 200 is listed as like a sprinter. I'm like okay. <laughs> I don't know why that's even in drug testing. But I don't know. You're not there. <laughs> not necessary, but yeah. So you grew up swimming in summer league. What was the greatest summer league snack? Uh, my parents always gifted me with a bagel and a Gatorade. So that's Classic. always what I eat. A bagel, Perfect. cream cheese, and a Gatorade. There you go. Which race in your career uh, brought you the most satisfaction? Ooh. Um, probably my 220. 0.7 from uh, the pro series in, here in Bloomington in 2019. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. What is one similarity between Beverly Hills, Michigan and Beverly Hills, California? Not the weather. Um, oh, I know this is supposed to be rapid fire, but I don't know. 
Um, it's not Beverly Hills. It's the town that's like just north of it called Birmingham. It, it is a little bit bougie, like Birmingham. Yeah. So it's there's some bouginess here and there. But I, other than that, not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Who's more intimidating? Laser from Globo Gym uh, in the movie Dodgeball or Laser from the hit TV show American Gladiators? Oh, um, oh, I would probably say Laser from Globo Gym. I just um, watched that movie last week, so probably that. <laughs> Debatable. What is the most annoying thing that a teammate can do in swim practice? Uh, push off the wall early when we're doing pace. Ooh, fact. We have yeah. a lot of people do that here, and it drives <laughs> me up a wall. Oh, man. Drop. Let's hear them. No, I can't. I will not. I will not. But me and Lily both, it drives us insane because then our times are off, and then these other people think they're going super fast, and we're like, no, when we push off the wall, I'm looking at your feet. Like, you are pushing off two seconds early. It drives me absolutely insane. <laughs> All right. So one more on practice. How often do you do social kick? Every day. Pretty much every practice. I know we get, we get a, like a 200 to a 300 kick with fins normally. And we call it kick with friends, not kick with fins. I like kick with friends. Luke is the slowest social kicker around. So if we ever get the opportunity, you'll see that. I focus on the social. He's on Island time. You guys. Exactly. What's wrong with people? I came back from the Caribbean last week. Yeah. I I, I spent a lot of time with Dylan Carter this year. Oh yeah. I I did a social kick of Dylan two weeks ago in Trinidad. He was exhausted. We did a hundred. He's after Luke. I'm tired. That's too much. (laughs) (laughs) These are lies. Well, Annie, uh, good luck with the rest of the prep for worlds. We look forward to watching you swim fast. Welcome to the sprint group. Uh, it's been a long time coming. It has been a long time coming. It's awesome. Uh, and, uh, and of course, uh, I got to say War Eagle to finish. War Eagle. Awesome. Well, that's it for this episode of Social Kick, and we'll see you next time. Hey, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you're enjoying Social Kick, tell your friends about it. And be sure to tell us what you liked by leaving a comment. And subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Social Kick. And you can find all of our content on our website.